Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Uh, as we transition in our service today, I, I just want to give you a little bit. Of, this is almost like a spoiler alert, but this service is going to be a little unique, a little bit different. Uh, we want to be students of God's Word. We want to take it and apply it to our lives. And so we're going to work our way through the service or towards the end. We're going to just spend an intentional time in prayer. So if you're new or visiting, uh, we've been on a long, uh, if the Lord tarries, it'll be a 22-week, 22-session journey through the book of James. And as we're coming there to the end, we're going to unpack a little bit of his teaching, his final exhortations, if you will, about prayer. And so we're going to take him at his word throughout the service. But we're going to dive in our text here and just unpack a little bit what James is doing uh, but just know it's going to be good. Nobody's going to get hurt. No salesman's going to call. Uh, but it's going to be a little different, and we just want to experience God and take him at his word. Um, so as I mentioned, we're in the, a deep dive of the book of James. Uh, if he tarries, we'll, it'll take us 22 sessions to get through. Now, James is a pretty short book, only five chapters long. That's a pretty deep dive into the words of Scripture. But I, I would wonder, as we've spent so much time, how has James impacted your life? Because I don't know about you, but I mean, we, we started this journey before Christmas, and it's, it's very intentional, very practical, and James calls us out, if you will, in many places and areas in our lives that our faith in Christ should transform our lives. So what has that meant for you and your journey as he has unpacked trials and tribulations and how our, even our speech should reflect our following of Jesus? How has it impacted your journey? As we unpack our text today, we're coming into what's really the last lines, the key ideas that James is giving us. We know from church history, we believe that he was martyred not long after this letter was received by his church. So quite honestly, as we look at the final words here of his letter, this very well could have been the last words that his beloved church ever heard from him. And so it would have made a lasting impact. That was a stark impression made by his teaching in these moments. What, what would you say? Like, it's, it's the final farewell. What would you say to your brothers and sisters in the Lord? For James, he points us to prayer. That one thing, that the key idea that he really wants us to grab a hold of is prayer. Is prayer. Whether in trial or tribulation, sickness or seasons of joy, James quite simply says pray. He invites us. He invites us. Would you turn your copy of Scripture today to James chapter 5? We're going to begin in verse 12 and read through the balance of 16. James chapter 5, beginning in verse 12 through the balance of 16. Verse 12, he says, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, 
not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Verse 13, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Verse 16, he says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In his final exhortation, James has gone to great lengths to call all of our lives, all of our human experience, all of our daily to-dos and trappings of life into the realm of prayer. No matter what, no matter what situation is happening in your life right now, James's invitation is that we bring it to the Lord in prayer, in fellowship and relationship with him. If we're in trouble, we're to pray. If there's joy and we're happy, we're to sing songs of praise to the Lord. If we're sick, we're to call on the elders of the church to pray over us and with us. If we have sinned, we're to pray in repentance and confession, asking for forgiveness. For James, there's really no life situation that we can think of, much less that we can encounter that doesn't call for earnest prayer, for fellowship with the Father as a first resort rather than a last. And if this is so important, if James is closing out and this is the last idea he wants us to see, if it's that important, it begs the question for us today, is prayer, my prayer life, if you will, Do I go to the Lord in prayer in all situations, at all times? Or has prayer turned into that phone-a-friend option I go to when I'm in trouble? Kind of that last resort, I'm in over my head here, help, plea. The invitation of our text today in James' final words is that we would make prayer, that we would make communion and fellowship with the Lord our plan A our go-to in times of trouble. Would you pray with me as we begin unpacking our scriptures today? Lord, we come before you. Uh, We want to pray before we deep dive in the word that you would come, that you would open our hearts, enlighten our mind. Lord, help us to hear your words here today, to take you up on your offer of prayer in all situations, Lord, to remain in fellowship with you. Lord, give us your wisdom. Give us ears to hear your spirit. And it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's start in verse 12. We'll unpack the text a little bit, a little bit of the language, and maybe a little bit of what James is thinking and and, uh, getting us to see here in the text. He says, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be 
condemned. This idea of above all here, that's really the marker that we're looking at to show us that this is the final approach plan for James's letter. These are the last words. It's kind of elevating even what he's saying here. It's a bit like we might say in one of our conversations or telling a story, one last thing, or most importantly, remember this as you trot out to the grocery store on that list, right? It's that highlight of that idea that uh, lifting up saying, hey, don't forget this, catch this detail. And so when he begins in verse 12, it's this idea of swearing. Now, that's not uh, cuss words or foul or abusive language. That is this idea that you're pulling in, you're swearing an oath on someone else's authority to guarantee your claim. Now, you might think of pinky swearing if you've had kids recently or been around there. Pinky swear to me. Well, this is elevated a little bit. We don't exactly know the the historical context that James was writing, but it appears that James's readers were calling on the name of the Lord to sure up their claims. So what they were saying, what they were promising, they would say, well, I swear by the Lord. And James said, no, 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 let's just let our yes be yes and our no be no. And he echoes Jesus' teaching throughout the New Testament, and he's running parallel with that idea that we're really, the big deal is that we're to be people of integrity. Because he, he doesn't linger long here because he's already unpacked this idea of speech and godly speech and how it reflects our relationship with Jesus. He's unpacked that in detail, but here he's pointing to just be people of integrity that people so believe you, they so trust you, they so know your character, they don't need anybody else to be pulled into the argument. They know you're good. You're a person of integrity. And as I said, James doesn't linger here. It's really one verse, and he moves on to prayer in verse 13. He says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. In one verse here, James has really taken all of our life experience and made it one single call to prayer. From trials and tribulations to seasons of joy and gladness, we're to remain in constant fellowship and constant communication with the Father. So I ask today in the story of your life, that prayer, the realm of prayer that James is inviting you to, is it a time of trial and tribulation or is it a season of of joy for which we praise. How is this invitation for you today? This idea of being in trouble that James helps us to see here, it is a very broad term that encompasses all kinds of trials and difficulties that we're facing in the lives of believers here. And so he's looking at this saying, look, no matter what you find yourselves in, no matter what's going on, if you find yourself there, seek the Lord, pray, And in the original language, this idea of pray is in the present tense. Now, why that matters is it's conveying this idea that we're to pray continually, constantly. And and he is echoing the Apostle Paul there as well, that we're to pray in all occasions and all things. Now, I I don't know about you, but, you know, there's things I've got to do during the week. There's things I I need to get done. So how are we supposed to pray all the time? Like, how can we live in a closet on our knees? I mean, does anybody ever think stuff like that when you're reading the scriptures? Like, how am I supposed to pull this off? But I think that idea, it helps us to see that James's emphasis here is not necessarily on form, though form and, and quiet time does have its place. The emphasis is that we bring everything, every thought is captive, and we turn it to prayer to the Lord. 
So, so how does that play out in my life? When I see the ambulance or the fire truck go by, Lord Jesus, will, will you go in your grace and your mercy before them? Be with a family that doesn't even know what's happening yet. Or, or, or when, when you look at this month's bills and it's more than this month's income, Jesus, will you, will you help me to be a good steward? Give me your wisdom to see the way forward. Or, or when you feel fear creeping in because you don't know what's happening tomorrow or you believe that something's coming and you feel that angst, you feel that, that urge to cower away, to, to stop trusting the Lord, you take that thought captive, Lord, you are the God of tomorrow, will you make a way here? And see, prayers like that can be uttered anywhere in any context. They can even be thoughts we have in our minds. It's, it's not always that we have to go to the closet in prayer, though we should this is an invitation that when you're driving, when you're taking a shower, when you lay your head down on the pillow, or when you go to Walmart to live your entire existence in the realm of prayer. In the realm of prayer. It's our ongoing conversation that is nurturing relationship with trust in the Lord. It's our opportunity. It's our opportunity we might think of prayer as an obligation, but it's an opportunity we have as God's kids to bring him into everything. That's the prayer James is inviting to. He says that if you're happy, if there's joy flowing in your heart, it, it can be sometimes hard to remember, but James says, praise the Lord. And, and, and I think that idea there helps us to understand, helps us even to see James's wisdom. He knows that when things are going good, when the bank account's up and work's going good and my grades are good, I pass the test, like it's easy sometimes to forget to give thanks to the Lord, to praise him when the road is smooth, when the skies are clear. But he's saying we should take that joy, take that gratitude and express it to the Lord. Pray and sing songs of praise to the Lord. When you see that beautiful sunset, Lord, thank you. You are a beautiful and magnificent creator. I, I love holding a native brook trout from a mountain stream and just taking in the paint job that no person could ever dream up. And you see that and just say, God, you are so creative. You're so wonderful. Thank you. There's just opportunities. You can take a bite of fried chicken and have a joy fit. Amen? <laughs> like there's just an opportunity to bring our lives in gratitude to the Lord. From trials and tribulations to joy and gladness, we have fellowship with the Father. In verse 14, he continues on. He says, is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And he finishes here. He says, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Now what James has done here is he's brought in another circumstance at which he's saying, look, this is another opportunity for prayer that we should appeal to him for our physical needs where our bodies fail us. When we don't feel well, when there's aches and pains or a more serious diagnosis, that we're to bring that to the Lord, that we're to call on the elders of the church. And, and this idea of elders in the church is people who are mature in the faith. So the brothers and sisters that you go to church with, that you do life with, that are mature in the faith, call on them to anoint you with oil. And commentator Douglas Moo says this. I think it beautifully sums up the significance of anointing. He says it this way. He says, anointing is a significant symbol 
reminding believers that they are set apart for God's special care. That's anointing, friends. That as you smell that fragrance, as you feel that oil, as you are praying with the elders, the uh, mature believers in the church, that you are set apart in that moment. You know that God is near and hears your prayer. He says the prayers offered in faith, they come with a promise. They come with a promise that the sick will be made well and the Lord will raise them up. Now, we're a family together here, and we journey through the scriptures. I just want to acknowledge for a moment, when you come to scriptures like this, I don't know about you, but there's times that I can think, when, when from my perspective, I didn't see the prayer answered. Because this comes with the promise, right, that God's going to raise them up, that he will be healed. But what about the times when we didn't see it? What, what about them? Where's that promise in that situation? And I think James is helping us to see here, we're reminded that as Christians, we're looking to the Father, we're seeking that His will will be done. And that when we pray and seek His will, that's the prayer that's going to be guaranteed, that's promised and answered. And what that does, yes, that affects change in the world we see, but yes, that also affects change in our hearts, because we come and say, not my will, Lord but thine be done. And so this is a tender place where we wrestle with our human experience. And, and I, I feel like the Lord ha has given this church, us here, a beautiful example of this kind of praying. And that was in Miss Julie Greer, the lady in the red hat. The Lord gave us a beautiful example in her life and as we gathered together just this past weekend to celebrate her life, I was reminded again of her boldness and her confidence in her Lord. You see, I remember a conversation that I had with Julie. She understood on her journey that she had crossed over into miracle territory. There wasn't much else that the doctors could do. But as we were talking about some of those things, she continued to pray. She continued to know and trust that, yes, the Lord can heal me. But even if he doesn't, she was trusting. Because she would often quote to me the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1.21. I remember I was talking to her one day, and, and she says, For me to live in Christ and to die is what? And I, I, I was just waiting for her to keep going, you know. And, and she said it again. She said, For me to live is Christ and to die is what, Jared? I said, it's to gain, Julie to gain that's right she said because for me to die is gain that means it's not an inconvenience it's not a hassle it's not a trouble it's not even a burden or something I should fear it's a gain she went on to say she said if God chooses to heal me here and I believe he can she said I'll go on doing what I love to do and what he's called me to do but even if he doesn't I gain to be totally honest, that was one of those days, and, and, and I told her family this, that I felt more like Julie's student than I ever did her pastor because she was challenging me that day. Because as some of you would know, and as we got to journey with her, even through her final days, that she wasn't just quoting the Apostle Paul there, she was living it. 
She had found that place of faith, that place of trust. Yes, that place of surrendered heart that said, if you heal me, I'm going to praise you. And if I get healed in heaven, I'm going to praise you. That's a win. She had found that place of surrender and trust. That's how James is offering. That's how he's inviting us to pray. When we come to physical ailments, the aches and pains, he's saying, look, pray for healing. Yes, trust that God can do it, but leave it in his hands. Trust him that he is good and he is faithful. Throughout James's letter, he's been helping us to reframe our entire lives into the realm of submission and response to the Lord. And as we're in his concluding thoughts here, he does the same thing with our prayer life. Even our prayer is surrendered to the Lord. As he continues in verse 16, he says, Therefore, he's going to bring in another facet, another element, if you will, of his petition, his exhortation to prayer. He says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So so what he's done here is he's added the element, the practice of confession and accountability within the church community. So now we know, and and we need to pause here for uh, historical context. In the tradition of James, there was thinking that equated all physical ailments and trouble to sin in your life. Now, Jesus taught that that was not always true. The apostle Paul taught that that was not always true, but that thinking was prevalent enough. And so we see James here touch on that tradition, but yet he opens the door wide for honesty and confession among the church, among the brothers and sisters. Now, we know that there are consequences, there are effects, and yes, there are illnesses that come from sin. The effects of alcohol or drug abuse are well known and well documented. The broken relationships and physical troubles and sexual promiscuity can lead to all sorts of brokenness and diseases. And we have this idea that there are things we can choose to do that wreak havoc in our lives. And so the invitation for us here is to confess those things before the Lord, to get real in those areas in our lives. And yes to repent, that we would turn away from those things and find healing in the Father. It's this idea that we're going to surrender these things to the Lord, that we're holding on to something that's a barrier, that's blocking us from our intimacy with the Father. This invitation is to just get real with the Lord, to lay that at His feet, receive that healing and he says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective a person who has experienced you might ask well who's a righteous person a person who has experienced the forgiveness of Christ Jesus in their life is considered righteous The person who has Christ dwelling with them and knows what that intimacy is, knows his life and his forgiveness within them, is a righteous person. So, friend, prayer is for everyone. This is not an elite spiritual practice. This is an invitation that every follower of Jesus 
and take him up on. To step into that realm of prayer. To step into the power of living in God's will. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Within these last couple verses, you know, I'm a details person. I love more details, more information, more input. And it's easy for us to look at these last couple words and go, but, but wait, wait, James, what do you mean? Can you, can you tease that out a little bit farther for us? I wish he would have given me, you know, like what time of day, what app do I need to use for prayer, right? But he doesn't. He doesn't. He, he doesn't really drill into the details at all in this moment. He quite simply, yet very profoundly, invites us to pray. In all circumstances, no matter what's happening in our lives, pray. In trouble, pray. Sick, call the elders and pray. If you have joy, sing to the Lord. As much as I love details, I think our most faithful response to this text is to take him up on his offer is to pray and so as we transition in our service we're the band is going to lead us in song and and we're going to just have specific times to pray and and this front row of chairs can serve as our altar today if you want if you feel like you want to change your posture before the lord if you want to respond these chairs are a place that you can do that you can kneel you can sit you can stand but we're going to pray we're going to experience the invitation of this text today in our service. And we're going to begin today with prayers of confession. Prayers of repentance. And so this opportunity is just a way, a time, a space that you can move and get right with the Lord. That you can confess before Him, Lord, I've been hanging on to this and I know it doesn't please you. Lord, I've been holding back in this area of my life and I know I need to let it go. It's an opportunity for confession. And yes, repentance. To turn away from those things and to turn towards relationship with the Father. 1 John 1.9 says this, it's a beautiful promise. It says, if we will confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness maybe today you know you're holding on to something this is just an opportunity to lay it before the Lord to confess it before him and see healing happen in that place in your life would you bow your heads with me Lord um, I'd love some more details on this Lord, I'd probably get lost in the details and fail to just take you up on the opportunity to call on your name. So, Lord, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to pray. And, Lord, we're going to begin in prayers of confession. Lord, to just get real, to stop the hiding. You know, <laughs> It's crazy that we think we can hide from you but yet we do. And so, Lord, will you search our hearts today? 
Will you show us anything that is unpleasing, anything that's not surrendered, anything we've been holding on to in our hearts that we need to lay down before you? Will you show us today? May we confess, may we call that out before you and say, Lord, I'm tired of it. Whatever it is, I want to be close to you. Lord, search us today as we pray. Friends, I invite you to respond. However, assume whatever posture the Lord puts on your heart today. But let us seek him in confession and repentance. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.